Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. And, uh, and then I made another big mistake. I think it was our fourth night or third night. I can't remember which it was. But I just thought I'd have a little fun with it now. And so we pulled into this campground. It was late. We just got done seeing the Badlands. We're coming in late to a campground. And once again, I knew there were going to be big rigs all over. RV, you, know, you name it. Big, big stuff all over the place. And this lady tells me, I pulled up and I saw two big rigs. And I saw one space. And I wondered if that would be ours. Huddled right inside there. And, uh, and, I, and so I went inside and the lady told me where I was going. I thought, that's that's that's. Perfect. Okay. And uh, so I went out and I pulled right in the middle of the two of them. Two big, I don't know, they looked like they were 90 feet long. But anyway, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't measure them. They were huge compared to us. And I get in there and I thought of Marco Polo, the app on an iPhone, okay? And the little helium voice. And so when we got in position, I thought to my, I looked over at my wife, I go, here we are. Our little, little pop up in there. So big. And, uh, my kids just, my kids laugh, but I realized, oh, man, I'm giving them the wrong impression. I'm giving them the wrong impression. They started getting discontent, and so I had to work with that. But what was really cool, that campground, you know, the next morning, uh, I come out, and uh, we're, I'm, I'm getting things. I, it was like one of those things where when we got done sleeping, it was immediately, you start packing as soon as you get up. So I'm, I'm typically packing up. While everybody's still asleep, Amber's hopping up shortly after I am. She's packing up. And we left the kids in the beds, literally, while we're folding things up until the very last moment. Okay, now you guys got to get out. Uh, and so, but it was just because we had to keep moving, keep moving. But uh, uh, one particular morning, we, this particular morning, we took a little bit longer because um, all of a sudden, I'm like walking around, trying to brush my teeth, trying to do different things, packing up. This little boy comes walking up to me. And he comes walking up to me. And this is literally, I have never, I've never seen this little boy before. Don't know him. He walks up to me and goes, excuse me. I said, yes. He goes, do you love the Bible more than your son? And of course, I'm sitting there going, who are you? <laughs> and, uh, but I knew that's not what he wanted to hear. And so fortunately, and maybe some of you are familiar with this, but well, we listened to a lot, of th- a lot of Jonathan Park adventures on our way out west, which is put out by Creation Research. Great stuff. King James Version. Just all, it's just good stuff. Storylines dealing with creation and everything like that. It's just good, good stuff. And the father in there uh, emulates a perfect father. Okay? Now, you can find that discouraging. I find it challenging. Okay, okay. I've got to have Bible answers for different things. So I looked at the young man, and I had that immediately. I'm like, okay, how would Kendall Park answer this question? And uh, I looked at him and go, you know what? I said, um, the Bible teaches me that I should love God. It also teaches me that I should love my son. And so as I love the Bible, I'm learning more how to be a better father. Okay. (laughs) And he walked away and I thought, did I connect? What happened here? And uh, it was just a few moments later that I looked over and I see my youngest son sitting on the swing set. I look over and go, what's he doing? One kid sitting on a swing set, he's sitting on a swing set. And keep in mind, before we left from home, he was scurrying all over the house trying to find his Bible. He says, I need it just in case I get an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm like, son, 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 just come on, let's go, let's go. Because I'm such a spiritual father, I made that a high priority. Um, and so I said, come on, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. So he does, he, uh, he's over there, and I'm going, what's going on? Well, I got to be careful. One of my children, I'll just say that, one of my children came up to me and said, Daddy, 
because I was over there sharing the gospel with somebody. I go, why do you say it like that? That's embarrassing. I go, get in the camper. <laughs> so he gets in the camper, and I look over, and I'm just like, what is he doing over there? That little knucklehead. And I say knucklehead because he drove me nuts for nearly 1,000 miles so far. I'm like, what is he doing over there? And I'm watching, watching. And next thing I know, I see him go like this and bow his head like this, and the other boy bowed his head. I thought, what is going on? So I waited and waited and waited, and I finally, uh, about five minutes later, walked over. I said, hey, what's your name? Got to know his name. Found out he was seven years old. And just, I said, go ahead and tell him. He goes, I'm going to heaven. I said, what? I, what? I looked down at my son, and I'm going, you were, I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking it. What is up with you? You were just the wickedest little boy the day before. And I'm, and I'm going, wow, how God can use people. And I'm, I'm, but I'm, in my mind, I'm going, I'm blown away by this. So I talk with him, get followed up with questions. He had the answers, had all the answers. He had the gospel. And I looked over to him, over at my son, and I got back to the camera, and going, what is going on with you? He goes, what? Somebody got saved. I know that. <laughs> and so we had a great discussion time with that, but I still, it, did, did, your, did your children ever fry your mind sometimes with how they could be yeah, yeah, okay, never mind. Anyway, um, so nevertheless, it was really cool. We had situations like that. It just happened, and it's just really, really neat. You're going to learn about one more here in just a few moments. It goes along with our story here uh, and what we're trying to get across. But t- this morning, I want to talk to you about forgive or be forgiven. Uh, which is your need in life? Do you need to, be, to forgive or do you need to be forgiven? Okay? Now you say, what does that story have to do with anything? It has absolutely to do with nothing, okay? Pastor thought it was good. He said, share it with him. And I think it's pretty good too, and hopefully it blesses your heart, all right? Uh, but uh, we're going to be looking at Luke 7 in just a few moments. If you want to turn there, we'll look at some other verses as well, but we're going to predominantly be in Luke 7. But the topic of forgiving and forgiveness is truly a people thing or human thing. And you may be like, well, man, you really thought a lot through that. Well, you really have to stop and think about this because of the fact that, uh, well, I'm going to tell you. In my 14 years of counseling that I've done in full-time ministry or part-time ministry, I've never had to work with anyone about forgiving their chihuahua, Siamese cat, or their parakeet. Never. It's never come become a topic, okay? Um, the fact is, if your pet ran out into the road and got hit, you're not thinking, well, maybe you do think stupid dog, but uh, the fact is, you're typically going, Lord, why? Why did that happen? You're questioning God. We're typically questioning another human being or, or God himself. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We're typically not getting, thinking it's the animal's fault. or Typically, typically. typically. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't done too much counsel uh, with how to forgive your pet. All right? No, it is not a topic that deals completely with people made in, in the image of God. That's what you got. It's not dealing with pets. This is dealing with people made in the image of God who have the ability to discern between good and evil. Uh, to forgive or be forgiven consumes our lives, all right? It is something we deal with daily. Like I said, in my fortune of counseling, I'm constantly, it's constantly present in one way or another of either somebody's needing to forgive or somebody's needing to be forgiven. It's just there, okay? Why? Because we daily wrong others and others wrong us, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, we teach our children basic concepts of this from the very beginning, okay? Or, or at least we should be, okay? You know, uh, on, on this trip, uh, dealing with the aspect of forgiveness, well, I, I was, you find yourself when you're camping um, really restricted in how to parent, 
Um, because the normal tools you have at your disposal, you're like, what tool? Well, electric chair and stuff like that, okay? Um, but normal things you would normally do and how you'd handle it, it's very challenging because of the fact we live in a world that they don't raise kids according to the Bible, okay? So you have to be really cautious, walk circumspectly, be careful. And uh, I had two that were just going to town one morning, and they, they were not being helpful with putting the camper up and at all. And I finally said, you know what? I said, I, I, I've had enough of this. I want you two to go stand right over there right now, and I want you to hug each other. And don't let go until I tell you to. So I went back to doing the camper. And they're over there. They're embraced. And they're hugging. By the way, write this down because this is a new technique. I've never tried it before. This is my first time, and it worked great, let me tell you. All right? And they just hugged each other and hugged each other and hugged each other. And one of them was starting to get grumpy. I said, don't you dare get grumpy. You're not allowed to do anything. You just keep hugging each other. We don't want to hug each other anymore. Keep hugging. So I went back and kept working on the camper. And they just continued to hug and hug and hug and hug. Squeeze a little tighter. So they're hugging, hugging, hugging. And the next thing I know, I hear giggles. And they're giggling. And I go, can you guys, I'm on the other side of the camp, can you feel the love? And they're giggling, and they're giggling, and they start talking to each other and giggling, and one of them knows exactly what I'm talking about because they're over there smiling right now. Uh, But you know what? Right there, I'm trying to tell my children what you're fighting about and what you need to forgive each other for is not worth the relationship. It's not worth the relationship. And that is what we're oftentimes in counseling and other things is that, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's really important here? Is what I'm battling for, is that what's really important here? Um, As I mentioned, I know that in just about every counseling, discipleship, or confrontation situation, the topic of forgiveness will present itself. You may confront somebody, and they are rough with you, and you walk away, and you're realizing, I've got to forgive them. Boom, forgiveness has come up. It comes up constantly in counseling. We had another situation happen on Wednesday morning on our way back after going over the Big Bear Pass, which was very challenging uh, and very nerve-wracking, pulling a pop without electric brakes. And uh, once I would tell you, if you ever get out there, go across the Big Bear Pass, do it. We will never do it again, okay? Um, 10,000 feet up, coming. It was, just, it was just awesome, but I will never do it again, Okay? Uh, but it was still quite the experience. I, I think they should have sold shirts at the bottom that says, I did the Big Bear Pass. But anyway, uh, nevertheless, it was interesting. After a full day of that, of just nerves, the next morning, we get into a campground around 10.30, finally get in bed around 11.30 uh, and everything. I told the lady, I'm going to get in late. I apologize, but we'll set up. For, we've got it down to 22 minutes of setup time. And uh, she thought that was interesting. But anyway, um, nevertheless, we got to set up quick, got to bed, got up in the morning, the Lord was challenging me that morning on my soul winning and so forth, and I shared it with the manager when I got up there and shared with her, gave her a gospel track, and that morning we needed some almond milk for our cereals, went and got some almond milk, came back, and uh, we found a playground, stopped at the playground, got cereal bowls out on the camper, we're, we're eating cereal, and so forth, and of course we got to keep going because uh, we're in Montana uh, at the time, and we got to get back here by Saturday, and so we got to move, and uh, next thing I know is we're praying for our food, I see an individual approaching. And I, I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I thought, oh, boy. I could tell by the body language, a lot of other things, this is not good. And here comes an Indian walking our direction. He gets up there, doesn't talk a whole lot to me, could tell that he was not completely there. Perhaps, I don't know, alcohol, drugs, whatever was in the case. Uh, but something had influenced the mind, was not quite there completely. Who knows what that is, uh, the situation. May not be alcohol, drugs. Don't want to assume that. But nevertheless, there's something there. And we offer him food. We offer him drink. All I have was bowls. I'm trying to talk with him, but he's not really communicating with me a whole lot. And uh, next thing I know, here comes another Indian crossing the, 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 the yard. Well, 
I see him coming, and I have to admit, as a father, I don't mind being out one-on-one, reaching people with the gospel, being in situations like that by myself. One, okay, I can handle it. Two, okay, we're getting a little hairier here. Uh, so, but I've got three kids. I've got my wife, and I'm sitting here thinking, we're, okay, what, what, what do we got going on here? Um, and I motioned to one of my boys. I said, uh, I said, can you go get tracks out of the van? Well, he did that post-haste. And uh, he's working on that. The second guy comes up to me, and he comes, and he's staring at me in the eyes, gets real close. And I, I said, uh, hey, how are we doing? And, you know, you're trying to re- act calm, but trying to be ready for whatever it could be, okay? And uh, because I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of things, and especially if they're homeless and they're desperate. And so I was concerned, very concerned. And uh, Amber did a good job getting the kids in the van uh, slowly. And she's trying to assist me with getting me the track because in the process, that, that child ended up spraining their ankle trying to get out of the van. And they were in anguish over there at the van. And I felt bad, but now I'm going, okay, what do we do? So I'm talking with that second one. He's getting really close to me and really close to me. And I'm watching every hand, trying to deal with things and trying to watch the other one. Here comes a third one, okay? Here comes a third one, and he's coming behind me. And I have to admit, my adrenaline is just, I'm trying to look calm, but my adrenaline, I realize at that point in time, I've shared a little bit of the gospel, I've handed out tracts to the two. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we got to get out of here. So I'm trying to move slowly, but it's saying, we, we really have got to go. And the one guy comes up to me real close, and he begins talking to me, and he just stares at me in the eyes. It was intense. I was like, is this something I can do for you? And... Uh, I broke my collar. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he goes on to explain the situation, how he broke his collar. He said, feel it. I go, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I trust you. He grabs my hand. I go, okay, I'll feel it. And uh, so I felt his collarbone, felt the break. I said, how'd that happen? He goes on to tell me the story in quick motion, how he fell off his horse, his dad cussed him out. You know, when he talked about his dad, you talk about the anger that was on that face. You talk about the emotion. And once again, I saw, wow, you've been wronged by somebody. You don't know how to forgive because you don't even know the name Jesus. You know, it's one thing to forgive somebody you love, but somebody has been treating you really bad. Somebody just cusses you out told you to get back up on that horse, which is what his dad told him to do. You get back up on that horse. He said, my dad just cussed me out. We did get out of there. But yet, that left an impression on me as I continued into this lesson. Since we're going to spend our days needing to constantly forgive and constantly need forgiveness, we had better get a biblical perspective on this. First of all, a forgiving Savior. We can understand who God is, first of all. You know, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It doesn't put a criteria saying, well, if it's this kind of sin. No, he says, I will forgive your sin. I'm faithful and just and will do that. It's his promise, number one. It's his promise. Number two, you're there in Luke chapter 7. Look at verse number 36 with me. You've probably read this story before. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. 
and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when he had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto to the woman, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto her, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. I am constantly amazed when I read the scriptures, and now that I've experienced it in my own life. Let me tell you something. We've looked at the fact that his promise, he promises to forgive. Here we see the heart of our Savior, his propensity. He is looking to us to return. He says, I want to forgive. I'm eager to forgive. That's the heart of our, that's the propensity of our Savior. He's a forgiving Savior. It's his promise. It's his propensity. And I want you to, you don't need to necessarily turn to this. I'll read it to you myself. But in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 43, we have the wonderful aspect here in 43 and verse number 25, it states, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. When I read that verse, I thought, he doesn't blot them out for your sake first and foremost. You may say, he blots them out for his sake, and he has the power to do that. He can just say, clean. I forgive you. I declare it. It is what it is. You say, why does he do that for his sake? Because the truth is, we don't deserve it. But he does it to show forth his power and his glory and say, I'm going to do it just like your salvation. I did it out of my good pleasure because I wanted to. Because I love you in spite of yourself. I love you in spite of your continued failings. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because I fail a lot. We see his power and ability to do that here. We also see in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 7. I would would like for you to turn and look at this right here. Micah chapter 7. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. You say, why are you saying that to us? Because I need it too. Micah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Okay, I'm going to get it. It's on page 497, right? All right, Micah chapter 7. Look at verse number 18 and 19. It states, who is God like unto thee? Chapter 7, verse 18, Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. Once again, it's getting back to his passion. We know when people fault me, I'm kind of like, are they going to come tell me they're sorry? Because they sure need to. And I have to work through that. Our God does not do that. Our Christ says, I want to forgive if you will repent. I'm eager. I want to. And a sin you can mention, go, well, he's never going to forgive that. I thought the same way. 
I thought the same way several times over. But we have a forgiving Savior. Number two, a forgiving spirit in you. Yes, God wants to see a forgiving spirit in you, but you've got to first know your God and know that you don't deserve what he's offering you. First of all, we see in, my, in uh, Luke chapter 7, we're looking at 36 through uh, 50 and looking at this storyline. We see in verse number 37, look there, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. You talk about grabbing the most precious thing. I was amazed when I looked this up. And you look up, you don't need to turn there, but in, in, the, in the book of Mark, in the book of Mark chapter 14, um, I was amazed when I studied this out. This was very precious to her, and it was worth a lot of money, okay? Mark 14, 5, even uh, it's mentioned here that some people were upset of another situation where, un, where they felt ointment was being just poured out and wasted. And one of the people there said, Hey, that could have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against this particular individual. This was expensive stuff. And when she saw the opportunity to go to the one who could set her free, she took what was precious to her, what could give her lots of money, and she said, it's not worth the money. I need forgiveness. I need to go to the one who can forgive. And so we see here a deep sense, number one, a deep sense of obligation underneath a forgiving spirit, a deep sense of obligation. We also look there in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them. I mean, look at the pouring out. She is broken. There's a brokenness there. And uh, I was reminded as I was studying this, the wonderful psalm that I've been reminded of so many times and God's reminded me of his goodness. Psalm 51, you don't need to look there. Verse number one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Do you go to God with brokenness? That's what he wants us to do because there's no way you can have mercy towards someone else unless you're receiving the mercy of God. Because you don't know what it's like. You, you've got to see yourself as, I don't deserve this. No, you don't. And maybe the person coming to you to say they're sorry doesn't deserve it. But this is the opportunity for you to be like Christ. Number one, put, your, put the right value on your sin as we, saw, we see in this storyline. Number two, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have you turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 for a moment, please. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Why don't you look down at verse number 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. What I want you to notice in here is add to your faith. You trust Christ to be your personal Savior. You've placed your faith in him, perhaps, and you know him, you know for sure you're going to heaven. Now there's a process that's meant to happen, and that's why he says, add to your faith. That word add there. I love that word add because every once in a while, God brings it back to mind. I studied this several years ago. It's a great word. But before we get to that, I want you to see this, the, fa- the phrase, giving all diligence. You, to, to do the adding, you got to give diligence to it. And when you go study that out, you find out it means to lavishly go after it, it's the way some people go after their sports teams. Lavishly. i got to go after that. I want it. And you really only get to the place of adding when you're really sick and tired of the, of the way you're living. When you really start to see that your sin is hurting your life and your sin is destroying relationships. When you see it, it requires coming to God in humility. 
When you finally do that, you go, wait a minute, I, need, I, need, I don't want to keep living like this. I need to add. So therefore, you've got to give all diligence to that. Add is the wonderful thing of what we do at Vacation Bible School time. We set up a stage up here. What is the point of it? We're trying to take the kids to a place in time. We give a lot to it. How much time do you give to adding to your faith the various things that he's asking you to add here? You set the stage to make it possible. People don't grow in the Lord if they don't open up their Bible. You have to set the stage. Well, you know what? I need to plan devotion time. I need to plan reading and listening to certain podcasts. I need to plan having certain music that I listen to that's spiritual and that's uplifting. I need to plan being at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I got to set the stage of my life and have these components in it so that I can add. Otherwise, whatever you're setting the stage with, that's what's going to influence you. That's what's going to affect you. And the last of all here, the word virtue. Virtue is moral excellencies of God that require power for us to perform because they are beyond human ability. You know, forgiving someone who took your seat, a lot of people have to do that. Uh, forgiving someone who took your parking place, not a deep injury to recover from. Might be a little frustrated at the moment. You get into the shopping center, you may move on, and you forgot about it. Who knows, it may hang in there for a day if your person really struggles with that kind of thing, okay? But it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a life-ending thing, hopefully for you. However, having a spouse or your family killed by a DUI driver, uh, loss of a child due to someone's negligence, loss of a mother when you needed her most, or moral failure of a spouse, those are deep injuries to recover from. And when it comes to deep injuries, one author states it like this, dealing with forgiveness is like taking a shower. You can't just take one and it lasts a lifetime. You have to take a shower daily and any other time you get dirty. Because Satan knows that if he can get you reflecting upon past failures or other people's failures, if he can keep you there, anger, bitterness, because of lack of forgiveness or lack of receiving forgiveness, and it just gets in your life. How do you get rid of that? By putting on the Lord Jesus Christ reflecting upon him, reflecting upon the fact that he sat there on a cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They haven't said they're sorry yet. Maybe a few, but the vast majority of them haven't even said they're sorry yet, but Lord, I forgive them. You say, how in the world do you do that? That's why it's a virtue. It's easy to forgive your friend who maybe did you wrong, but to forgive somebody who's done something against you that was a deep hurt, That's not easy to get over. And it takes a process of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is you're going to have seasons where you give all diligence and set the stage because the deep injury is causing depressive and bitter thoughts that are leading to despair. And you're like, oh, I can't keep going down this path. I've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then once we pull out of the nosedive with God's help and we level out, we slowly quit giving all diligence And the stage no longer includes all the disciplines we once had that were there that were freeing us from the bondage of a lack of forgiveness brings. Do we need to forgive? Do you need to forgive? We'll consider these questions that came from Jim Berg. Do I have a negative reaction every time I hear the person's name or think about the person again? Number two, do thoughts of how this person has wronged me come back to me frequently? Is it easy to gossip to others about how awful this person is? Do I get sick to my stomach every time I think about this person? Do I purposely ignore, turn away, or avoid this person? Do I think about ways that I can make the person pay for what they have done? 
that what probing questions like that are what come out in counseling to help get to the root. And you say, but I, that feels really bad when you bring those questions because immediately I feel guilt. That guilt is there whether you want to identify it or not. It's hurting your life. It's like cancer you don't know about. And you say, I just won't go to the doctor because I don't want to hear about it. You need to hear if you're not forgiving. You need to hear if you're not accepting forgiveness. You need to know what in my life. This may require confrontation or love covering the sin. Like I said, Christ on the cross forgave a people. It's an example to us. You say, that's impossible. No, not as long as you add to your faith virtue. And that comes from being in his word and allowing him to do in you what you can't do. You cannot forgive some things. In your own human power, it's not possible. But if you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and his power, you can forgive, and you can also receive that forgiveness and move on. Uh, I want to come back to you and talk to you, because like pastor, us preachers often do, we, we create a message and that's two of my four points. <laughs> so I hope that down the road here ways, I'll have an opportunity maybe in an afternoon service to share two more points with you of how to forgive God. You may say, what? Why did God let this happen? And the other one I want to talk to you about sometime is the fact of how to forgive myself. Some people, a lot of people struggle with that. I deal with that in counseling a lot. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to forgive yourself. Christ already did. His forgiveness is sufficient, but there's things people struggle with there. I look forward to coming back. As you think about our forgiving Savior, and you think about the forgiving Spirit in you, I have a question for you this morning. Is that forgiving Spirit in you, are you willing to forgive others, or I'm just going to hold on what I feel towards that? I'm never going to forgive them. It's destroying you, and it's giving you a countenance that does not draw people to Christ. I hope that this morning you'll think about, do I have that forgiving spirit in my life? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. When you consider the forgiving Savior that we have, you may say, I'm thankful for